Amen. Second Timothy, if you're there, say amen. I mentioned last week that I felt led to do a little three-week series, and last week we talked about worship. Today we're going to talk about the Word, and next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to talk about prayer, because the Bible tells us that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. When you're barely hanging on, can I tell you what you can kind of wrap a cord or a lifeline to grab onto is if, and we talked about this last week, if you get a bad report or something unexpected happens in your life and your first response is to worship God, you're already setting yourself up for success no matter what's going on. You're already, because your, your heart's response is that I will worship my way through this. And we understand this, our worship has power because it's not just words coming out of our mouth. It is a heart attitude of worship. And we talked about that last week. Today, I want to talk about the word. Everybody say the word. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, once again I come to you humbly, and I ask today that the word would go forth into the hearts of the people. Lord, as we study and learn about your word, I pray your word would become tangible, because it is, because the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And you're here, Lord Jesus. So I pray that the hearts of the receivers of the seed of God's word would be good soil. Anything said of me, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever is said under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, Father, I pray it would grow fruit in our lives. Father, we love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk first about the authority. Everybody say authority. The authority of the word. What I want to tell you is the word is not antiquated. Amen? We live in a very upside down, messed up, confused in a world. Is it cutting off? Is it cutting off there? Okay. Let's, let's try this. Amen? Thank you. I, could, I can't tell, but that's happening. Is that better? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The word's not antiquated. If you don't start with the very first premise today that I thought of when I began to study this, is there is authority in God's word. God's word, let me rephrase that, God's word is the authority for every single area of our lives. Oftentimes, especially if you're younger in here, and I know the culture that we live in is confused and compromised and not on a stable foundation because we have done away with believing that God has the final say in every single area of our lives, of our country, of our communities, our schools, whatever it is, and we live in that. But here's what I want to tell you about the Word of God. I wore my glasses this morning for a very specific reason, and the specific reason that I wore these glasses is that the Bible is the lens that you put on. Everybody say biblical worldview. The Bible is the lens that we put on. And when we learn the word, when we get deep in the word, and we begin to put the word in our heart, it is like putting on a pair of glasses that you can look at the world around you and see it properly. The word is is not antiquated because the word is just as relevant today as when it was penned through the unction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And so what that means is that this Bible right here, not only does it have relevancy to our lives today... We also understand that holy men who were moved upon by the Holy Spirit began to write this. And this Bible just means biblos, which means paper. That's what that means. It means that people were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes people think, well, okay, when they wrote the Bible, did did they just kind of fall asleep and woke up and the Bible was there in front of them? And that's not how the Bible came 
to be. And I want to teach on that for just a minute, put my little teaching hat on, because people picked up the pen and they began to write the Word of God. But listen to me, it was God moving upon them by the Holy Spirit. So listen, it was the synergy of God and man. And this this theme is going to play all throughout my teaching this morning. When I really sat down Thursday to begin to focus and pray and say, okay, God, what is it you want to teach this Sunday about the word that will be able to be used in a practical way in people's lives? And we live in a culture that's getting further and further away from the foundation of God's word. And I'm not so worried about the, what the world believes about the Bible. I'm concerned about what the church believes about the Bible. Because the, the, the Bible is very clear that in the last days, people will depart... Are you hearing me this morning? People will depart from sound doctrine and sound teaching. I'm not concerned that that the world is biblically illiterate. I'm concerned that the church is biblically illiterate. And if we do not go back to the foundation of the word of God in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our places of worship, but we fail to understand, and this is a theme that will go all the way throughout the word today, is that it's not God came down and began to take somebody's hand and begin to write it. He worked with man and gave man a revelation of the word. There's a revelation that he gave, and it's called revelation, and then is the person writing and speaking in theological terms began to write. It's called inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. Now, the biblical writers, when they wrote, produced the libraries. This is just a library of the books of the Bible. It's been canonized, which canonized just simply means a measuring rod. And it took a few hundred years because the original apostles began to write and they began to send out letters. And, of course, we, they knew what to canonize in the Old Testament because it was already the scriptures that Jesus quoted and the apostles quoted and they lived by. But then we move on from that and they, they took it very seriously of meeting and saying, is this good to the Holy Spirit to include this in the Bible? So God has done a lot. This is a miracle that we have in front of us. And I think the more we understand that it's a miracle that we have God's word on every circumstance and situation that's going on in our lives. You want to know what to do in any particular situation? God's word will tell you. We have what it says we have and we are who it says we are. And the word of God is powerful. Amen? And when I go to study the Bible, and this will help you a lot, the beauty of the Bible, and the reason I say it's important to understand that God moved upon people to write this, and it became Holy Scripture, and it was canonized, the reason that that's important is because when I get stuck, God doesn't write my sermons. Amen? Some of you are like, we know that. We come here every Sunday. It couldn't be. But when I get stuck, guess what I can do? If you're stuck on a place in the Bible, you can ask the author for help. And that is the difference between spirit-led Bible study and spirit-led memorizing the scriptures and and being a fleshly-led person in memorizing and studying the scriptures. But the most important thing you can do this morning is so simple, get into the Word of God. We talked about worship last week because worship is literally our lifeline to heaven. We'll talk about prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about the persistence of prayer. That's where I feel led to go, is to continue to persist in prayer until we see the answer come. But if you take a three-stranded cord, if, if your uh, spiritual life isn't going the way that you think it should, can I tell you what the key is? Begin to worship God. Begin to get into his word and find out what he says about your circumstances in your life. But it's important to understand that the Bible is a miracle and we should treat it as such. We should treat the word with honor. We should treat the word with respect. So when we are studying the act of the Holy Spirit coming, what does he do? He illuminates things. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. His word is powerful. But Bible study is not just to get facts. When you go to the Bible, you're not just going to get facts. You're literally communing with the author and the one who... What does that do when you commune with the author? When you start your Bible study and you open the Bible and you've already been worshiping, you're in the presence of God, you stop and you say, God, lead me into all truth. Why is that important? Because this Bible right here... It's not only a lens that you put on that you can have a biblical worldview. I'm amazed how most Christians don't know what the word biblical worldview is. Do you know that God has had biblical, say, sexual ethics for 2,000 years? God has had ethics for life 
for thousands of years. We don't have to guess what God says. Why is that important? Because when you come to God and you start with God, lead me into all truth, then you have now created a bridge from the natural to something supernatural. Because this book in my hand is not just a book bound in leather with with writing on the page. This word has life. And this word has power, and this word has the ability to be able to change circumstances and situations in your life. But you have to start right here. Some of you are sitting in here, and you're thinking to yourself, especially if you're a younger person, someday, Lord willing, you may go off to college. You'll move away from Citrus County. You'll move into some other place. I used to pastor a college and career group in my home church back home, and it was amazing to start to see the change in some of the young people after they went off to university. I'm telling you, young people, you ground yourself in and upon this, you're going to be attacked for it. But can I tell you what this word has? It's got the power to save your life. I'm going to talk in just a minute about how to live a wise life because this Bible right here will cause you to live a wise... Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. This book has wisdom. This book has, even though you read it and you think this isn't relevant to this crazy world that we live in, this isn't relevant to all the things going on around us, yes it is because it shows us what original sin is, it shows us where man fell short, and it shows us how to live. But you have to start with this. And many people would go off to school when I was pastoring in the college and career, and they'd come back and say, well, so-and-so said such-and-such. And I'd always point him back, what did God say? If the church would get back to what God said in this right here, there isn't a mountain that wouldn't move when you speak to it. There isn't a circumstance. Young people, listen to me very clearly this morning. There's not a circumstance you'll run into that you won't be led by the Holy Spirit in this word. And the Holy Spirit's not going to speak something that's not in this word. Come on. He's going to lead you in a way that lines up with God's Word. It's the reason that we start with the authority of Scripture when we're learning how to hang on to the Word, when we're learning how to make that three-stranded cord that is not easily broken. If you'll learn to worship, if you'll learn to get into the Word and believe God, that what God said is more true than what any man said. Amen? Amen. So it's simply this. The Bible is our authority in all things. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. There will come a day, the Bible says, very clearly it says in Scripture, that there will come a day when people will not adhere to sound doctrine. Don't be swayed by what this world is pulling you towards. Anchor into the Word of God. And understand that God is the authority. So we need to start with the authority of the Scripture. Number two... The Word gives us wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. How many of you just raise your hand and say, I need some wisdom in my life, Pastor? Amen. I do too. A lot of circumstances come along. And young people, listen to me very closely. Kind of wake yourself up and focus with me. Because this part of the sermon, I especially felt, you know, in my heart would be for young people who are in here. Because I wish that somebody would have told me what I'm about to tell you a long time ago. It would have saved me a lot of questions in life. It would have saved me a lot of a lot of heartache in life. It would have saved me a lot of difficulty in life. And this goes from the person who might be the oldest person in the room all the way to the very youngest in the room, is that God wants us to walk in the wisdom of the word. And when I began to think about the wisest man besides Jesus who ever lived, who is that this morning? Solomon. Solomon was brilliant because when God said, Solomon, I'm here, and you pray, I'm going to answer. And I think this is a key for us in our lives when it comes to the Word of God. We should be getting wisdom from the Word of God because the wisdom of God's Word will keep you from circumstances that are going to wreck your life. God works through the wisdom of the Word. Listen, This is wisdom according to the Bible. Seeing things from God's perspective. Every day of our life, every day of our life, when we worship Him and we connect with Him 
And you just tell him, God, you're so good. God, I'm so thankful for what you're doing in my life. God, I'm worshiping you because I'm humbling myself under the mighty hand of the Lord that you may raise me up, that you may strengthen me, that you may bless my life, you may protect my family. And when you begin to worship him and you begin to lift him up, then you come to God and you say, God, I need some, I need some, some answers to some situations in my life. Again, who could use some answers to situations in your life? I, can I point you to where you're going to find them? You're not going to find them on Dr. Phil. I'm more Dr. Seuss than Dr. Phil, so you're not going to get that from me. You're not going to get it from there. We, look, we go look into the world for the, for the wisdom that God has already laid out in his word. Amen? Are you tracking with me? God gives the answer about how life works. Have you, has anybody ever asked themselves, how, how does life work? Come on, somebody. Would you, like, would you like an answer for that today? About to give it to you. I want you to say this today. Say it with me. I play a role in determining the quality of my life. Only half of you did it. I play... A role in determining the quality of my life. When I began to think of Solomon, I think of the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you dig into the book of Ecclesiastes like I've done fairly recently, you begin to get discouraged, right? Because Solomon kind of says things like, it's just toil and trouble from the day we're born until the day we pass away. And everything under the sun, there's nothing new, and we go on, and we live, and we die, and it doesn't really make any difference. Listen to me this morning. It is not your circumstances that determine the quality of your life. It's the way that you react to the circumstances in your life. Because this morning, when it comes to believing the authority of God's word, when you start with, I believe God said it, and I believe it, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says or what any, the world believes, I believe God's word over my circumstances. And you cannot control the circumstances of your life, but you can control how you react to the circumstances of your life. And I'm telling you this morning, the key is how to live a quality life. Because young people, listen to me, because I wish somebody would have told me this a long, long time ago. You have a huge role in determining the quality of your life. And where do you get the answer for the quality of life? You find it in wisdom. You don't have to turn there. But Ecclesiastes 1 says this, There's an appointed time, everybody say time, for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. Now, when you read that, and if you open a Bible commentary and it leans one way, and here's, here's what, how I want to approach this this morning. When you read that and you read the whole entirety of chapter 3 and you don't understand in verse 1, because verse 1 is the key to the whole entire third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. Because you'll open a commentary... And you'll read the commentary, and a lot of commentators, and this is where I, I think people wreck on one side of the road or they wreck on the other side of the road because you read that, and you'll say, okay, if God appoints and God has a time for everything under the sun, for everything going to happen to me, then at it, it 10.52, he knows that I'm going to get in my car, and when something bad, bad happens, I know that it's God. If something good happens, I know that it's God. If something in between happens, I know that it is God. And they take a view of God that, hey, if I get cancer, then God did it. If I get sick, God did it. If I get a flat tire, then God had the appointed time for that to happen. And what I'm teaching you this morning is that is hogwash. Come on. You say, prove it to me, Pastor. I'll prove it to you because the reason that I know that that is not what he's talking about in the circumstances of our life is because of the two different words that are used there for time. Everybody say time. Let's properly interpret the Scripture so that we can understand what Solomon was talking about in chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes. This is called exegesis for all you Bible nerds or, or LCU students in here. Listen, the Jewish people had two different words, many different words, but two different words for, the, for time. They had one that was called moed and another called eighth. So moed and eighth are the two 
words used to talk about time. Now, moed, and it's used all through Scripture. One time that I thought of it being used, and I tracked it down in my Bible study program, later on when Jonathan and, and David were talking, David said to Jonathan, Jonathan, I believe that your father Saul is trying to kill me. So he said, well, I'll prove you wrong. I'll have dinner with my father, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course. I'll go have dinner with my father, and if he really is after you, I want you to be in such and such field, and I'm going to come out and shoot an arrow. And if the arrow goes past you, then you'll know that he is really after you. If it falls short of you, then you'll know that you're wrong about what you think about my dad. And in that scripture, it says, and Jonathan went out at the appointed time. That is the word moed. Moed means it's a set time. It would be like me saying, hey, let's have coffee on Friday, and we're going to meet at 8.30 in the morning. That is what moed means. It means there's a set time. And if you read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, you would read that and say, okay, God has a time, a set time for this to happen to me and to that to happen to me, and this is going to happen to me. So people wreck on either side of the road. They think all these circumstances are nothing they can control. They even say things like, well, well, I even sinned and messed up again, and it's really not my fault because God allowed it and ordained it to happen. Are you tracking with me? Or they wreck clear on the other side of the road, and they think to themselves, well, all these circumstances and things going on around me are things that are just happening because of chance, because of, because of luck. Can I tell you, there is no luck. There's God in heaven, and there's us on earth. And moed means there's an exact time. And let me explain this to you. The other word for time is eighth. Eighth. Eighth means that there's not a point, a setted time that it's going. So in other words, let me give you an example. When I walk through the kitchen and I say that it's time to take out the trash, that is what the Hebrew word eighth is actually talking about, is that the reason I know that it's time to take out the trash is because in my house, my kids and my wife stack things above the trash can. Listen, I don't have a moed of when I take the trash out. Are you tracking with what I'm teaching you this morning? It's not at 7.32 on Monday morning. I go take the trash out, whether it's full, half full, or completely full. I know it's time to take out the trash because our trash can is slid up underneath a cabinet area that you can't see it. And heaven forbid people would take the time to pull it out and actually throw the trash down in it. Looking at you, kids. They're right over there. Listen, Moad means that I have a time set. Eighth means if you pull in your driveway one day and you look around at your yard, we say it's time to mow the grass. Again, the wisdom of God's word teaches us how to deal with circumstances because moad means there's a set appointed time. And we read that and we say, okay, when I had a flat tire the other day, then that's just God's time for this to happen. And I came to tell you this morning that if you want to live a successful life according to God's word, you can choose the circumstances that come into your life based upon the decisions that you make, based upon understanding the time that you're in. Are you following with me? Lord, this is powerful if you'll get it this morning. So the circumstances dictate when I mow my lawn. The circumstances dictate when I go and mow the grass. When Solomon wrote, there's a time for every event, he did not use the word moed. He used the word eighth, which means he wasn't saying God is predestined when an event takes place. Here's what he was saying is circumstances determine when a particular event will happen. In verses 2 through 8, he begins, after understanding verse 1, you can begin to understand verses 2 through 8. Because he goes and he begins to give examples of the fullness of time for something to happen, not according to a clock, but according to the circumstances. What did he go on and begin to say? There's a time to be born. Now, unless you went into the hospital and had a C-section, you did not have a point in time. What happened? The, your, your wife's water broke, right? She began to say, it's time. And then they get in the hospital room and they are laying there and the OB comes in every few hours and says, it's not time, don't push. And my wife wanted to smack them, right? 
It's an there is a time appointed. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. Circumstances will determine that. Amen. Circumstances will determine that. Now, here, here's what I want to tell you, and this is the most important thing that you'll get out of this. Young people, listen to me for just a second. You can control some of the circumstances in your life. You say, wait, it's appointed unto man once to die. It's, it's, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Let, let me give you an explanation of this. Simply put, if you, heaven forbid, have a heart attack, then part of that heart is going to die, right? But what if you're close to a hospital and they get to you in time and, and hopefully nobody has a heart attack? But listen to me for just a second. It is the circumstances that you're in will dictate what time and season that you're walking in. Now, here's the thing. You say, yeah, Pastor, but it's, it's time, circumstances to die. Can you affect when you die? Yes. Are you hearing me? This is just one example of, of all the two through eight that he gives. It's just one example. And the example is given because I want to teach you, especially young people here in this room, you can choose to have a very good, blessed life according to your circumstances based on the decisions that you make. You say, wait, if it's time for me to die, then bless God, I'm just going to die. And God knows it on this date at this time. Of course God knows that. But can you take care of yourself? Come on, somebody. I put my seatbelt on when I get in the car, not because I get in the car and look around and say, well, if this wasn't the day, then nothing bad's going to happen to me. Here's the thing. I do my part and God does his part. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But we, God is looking down from heaven and he's saying, and he's looking at us and here's the, here's where frustration comes in. And it, and it talks about this in the verses when you get past eight verses nine, 10, 11. It talks about the frustration, and here's where frustration comes in. And here's what I want to teach you this morning. When you're operating under the authority of God's word and you believe God's word is the authority, and then you begin to go to God and you go to, to the Bible for wisdom, can I assure you, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, He is going to give you an answer in wisdom. He's going, in other words, we step back and say, well, if God ordained it, then it's just going to happen. Listen to me. You have your part to play. In the kingdom, you have the part to play in whether your life is going in a really good way and a really bad way. Here's what the frustration that Solomon presented, because on down he talks about a man. He says, this man toiled. Everybody say toil. toil. He worked and he toiled. Why was he working and he was toiling? The word work there just literally means hard work and toil. He worked hard because he was trying to control the circumstances to say, I want good things, I don't want bad things, so I'm going to apply myself and work hard. But yet, there was still bad things that happened. Listen to me. The whole understanding of wisdom in the Bible is that wisdom is only wisdom when it is applied to the situation properly. Wisdom is only wisdom. If you just read through the Bible and say, yeah, that was great. I did my duty today. Listen, God wants to speak to you through his word. God wants to, to come and to show you. And, and that's the frustrating part. The frustrating part is this. The frustrating part is when we say, God, I've made all the right decisions. God, I've done what you've said to do. And God, I'm still finding myself at a place. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. There are some things that are completely out of your control. But can I tell you what is in your control this morning? I said it already. You don't get to control the circumstances because there is a time and a season for everything under the sun. But you do control your reaction to it. Are you listening to me? You get to control your reaction to the circumstances. And the frustrating, and listen to me, young people, the frustrating thing, especially for young people, because they used to come to me all the time, but you know what? I'm, I'm doing right. You, you told me, God, this is what God wants for me. God wants me to abstain from all the things here in college that I'm tempted by, and I've been doing that, and I've been, but I lost all my friends. It's that place that we get into where we see a difference between what 
God said it would be in what we're experiencing. Because it's two different words for time, moed and eighth. Eighth literally means that there. So what is our response when it says, and there's a time to die? He goes on to say, there's a time to weep and mourn. Listen to me. There's certain seasons in life that you will walk into, and it's no fault of yours. You've been following God. You've been doing what is right. You've been following him with all your heart, and you're still going to end up in a season when things are going difficult and they're going wrong because I've learned something very important about God. You want to hear it? Some of the things that I thought were the best circumstances in my life ended up being the worst circumstances in my life. And some of the things that seemed like they were the worst things that happened actually caused me to get closer to God and walk in greater levels of wisdom because I had to have so much dependency on Him. But the circumstance is out of your control, yes. But your reaction to the circumstance is 100% within your control. You don't get to control the circumstance. So he, he said there's a time to mourn. Listen, when I, I want to encourage you. This is where faith enters into it at this moment because when it's a time when things are difficult and it's completely out of your control, one of the best things you can do is just pour it out to God. Look, I love the seasons where he said, and a time to laugh. I love those times. I love it when I'm making the right decisions and everything's going right in my life and the circumstances are lining up. But can I tell you, you're going to walk through enough of life where you're going to get into a season where you're just going to have to step back and say, God, I need your wisdom in this moment. I I need you to guide me in this moment. And can can I encourage you, if you will become a worshiper and you will become a person of the word, and then you become a person who doesn't pray emergency prayers, we're going to talk about that next week, but you live a lifestyle of prayer, that is a three-stranded cord that you can hang on to and life is not going to take you out because you're standing on the wisdom of God's Word. Amen? Amen? So how do you live a good life? Young people, listen to me. You live a good life by choosing God's way according to His Word, according to what He wants. It means simply that you have a role to play in the quality of your life. Are you listening to me? That's what, the, that's what wisdom teaches us. We have a role to play in the quality. But here's the thing. You can't control everything. I know this is deep pastoral advice, but I give it to people really often. They'll go through their whole story. Sometimes it takes 35, 45 minutes, and, and they come to the end, and there's been a handful of people I've just looked at right in the eye. And I said, and what can you do about that? The answer was nothing. But you can start where you are right now. Listen, you need wisdom for your marriage. You say, man, everything's just going sideways and going backwards, and you need wisdom for your marriage because God has wisdom for that. You need wisdom for your job. You need wisdom for your family. You need wisdom in all these areas that God will give to us. So there are things we control and things we can't. And that's what Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3 was talking about in the concept of time. There's a concept of eighth, a concept that it's not about a clock on the wall. It's, isn't that even what they said when the New Testament opened up? When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Let me wrap this up. Our task is to know what time it is in our life and act appropriately. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to plant, and a time to root up. That's what wisdom of the word does for you. You can discern and know through God's wisdom and being in communion with the Holy Spirit and being in alignment with his word. You can know what kind of season that you're in. So where does the difficulty come from? The, the, the difficulty and the pain in life is when we've done everything we can and still something comes that it was unexpected, that we didn't see coming, that is hard and difficult. So you've done all you can do to control the circumstances with wise, good decisions, but you find yourself in a pickle. Everybody know what a pickle is? A hard place. You found yourself in a difficult place. And then number three today, everybody say the power. There's power in the Word of God. Church, when you are 
believing that God is the authority, when you are operating in wisdom and making the best decisions that you can, and you still find yourself in a place, you've, you've, you've taken care of your physical body. Do you understand God wants you to take care of yourself? And I eat too many little Debbies, y'all. I mean, it's just it's what I like to do. Little Debbie makes a big Jason, I found, is what, what happens. That's how that works. I came to encourage your heart with this last one this morning because there are circumstances and situations that you'll run up against, and you're doing everything right. You're doing everything according to what God wants you to do. And listen to me. We serve a God that can change circumstances. I don't want you to stop there and walk out and say, yeah, pastor preached on whatever's going to happen. No, it's times and seasons that we walk through. And the reaction to those times and seasons are in our hands, right? But there are times that the Holy Spirit, and here's where the difference between when I'm talking about the Word of God and you get deep into the Word of God, you understand that there's a difference when you're praying and when you're worshiping and God illuminates a scripture that is just for you. Come on, anybody been there? Because it is not just the word that you read on the page. It's the word that gets settled in your heart. And when God settles a word in your heart, then you begin to declare that word in faith over a situation. And you're going to see the situation change. I came to ask somebody this morning, don't look at your circumstance. You can react to it in faith because God will put a word in your mouth to speak over the situation. I got a question for you this morning. God said... When God said it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You tag into what God said. I had this conversation just then, and God confirmed it by three different people in the same day. Because I was having a conversation early in the week with someone, and I said, that's not what God said about this. It's important not to get just the Logos word. The word Logos is just the written word of God. There's something called the Rhema word of God. Let me teach you just a little bit this morning that will help you. The Rhema word of God is a word that you can stand on literally in the spirit and look at the circumstance and say, no, that is not what's going to happen. I know they won't mind me sharing this testimony, but those families sitting right over here, a young man named Dalton Curry just a few years ago, Playing football, he broke his arm, and it was a compound fracture. Well, you can imagine what a football field does to the inside of an arm. It gets dirty, right? It gets... So I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, but the Reader's Digest version is that would not heal but God. I'm teaching this morning, when you get faith down in your heart, the Word of God doesn't just act like the, the thing that we walk in wisdom by. The Word of God, it, it, it's an action that we speak out of our mouths And we see things change. And here's what I want to tell you. I was standing right over there worshiping. I didn't even know they were here at that point. When the lights kind of go down, it's hard to see people. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, get Dalton Curry up here right now and pray for him. And I thought, Lord, I don't know if Dalton Curry's here. God knows. So I was obedient. I walked across there. We brought him up front. We prayed. And here's what I want to tell you. There was no doubt, zero doubt in my mind and in my heart, that he was healed in that moment. That's called the rhema word of God. Now listen to me. Listen to me for just a second. Because I got a call, and I, I'm messing up the timeline of this. It's been a few years ago, but this is, the, this is the gist. I get a call from them. They're over at the hospital meeting with a team of doctors because we prayed for him on Sunday and say, I want to say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one day that week, they're at a different hospital over in Orlando, and the doctors are literally telling them, we're going to have to give him such an experimental drug to try to get rid of this going on in his arm that it could cause blindness and it could cause this. And when you're sitting on one side and you know God's done it and you're talking to a parent that loves their kid and they want to try to not just save their arm, they want to save their life, You better know you're speaking for God because oftentimes we operate in presumption and not faith. There's a difference. But there was so much faith in my heart that God had already done it in that moment that I told them in that moment, God said it's done. That is the word that's spoken in faith that changes circumstances. Here's here's the thing. Remember what I said. They were doing everything right. They had taken him to the hospital. The surgeons did everything they could 
they had given him the antibiotics that they could. Can I tell you, when you come to the end of yourself and you come to the end of your own wisdom, there's something called the Word of God in the mouth of a faith-filled believer that begins to declare over the circumstance and situation. Sometimes we give up when circumstances come against us. And I just came to tell you that circumstances do not... You can, you can control your circumstances up to a point, but what do you do when the circumstance still looks like it's not going to come through? I told him on the phone, I said, It is done. Do not put that in his body. That's bold. So you're the parents, and I'm praying for wisdom for you. You guys make the decision, but I'm standing here telling you. Well, a couple days later, they took him to the other hospital he had had the original surgery at up in Gainesville. And it was, help me, two, three days later or a few days later, they put x-rays on that thing, and what did they say? It's healing. We're not going to have to do this. Can I tell you, there's power in the Word of God. There's power in His Word. And listen to me this morning. Not only do we operate under the authority of God's Word, and we believe He's the authority, we not only operate in wisdom, and we say, God, I'm going to make the right choices so bad circumstances don't come into my life. Listen to me. You have a lot of control over the circumstances that happen. Young people, listen to me. Don't put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the wrong stuff will not happen. And God tells us that. You keep the wrong company, you're going to get the wrong circumstances. But Ezekiel, in Ezekiel, he takes Ezekiel down to a valley of dry bones. And I'm looking at a group of people this morning that you have dry bones in your marriage. You have dry bones in a circumstance that you're facing. You have dry bones. In other words, it was a place that it said they were very dry. Water in the word literally just means life. There was, it was lifeless. Can I tell you some of the things that you thought are dead and gone and lifeless? If you get a word of God in your heart and begin to declare it over that, listen to me. Here's the key. Here's the key in that story. He walks him, it says, back and forth. God takes him to the valley. That, talks about what I've already talked about when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to God doing things in our life. We think that we end up in a valley, and the first thing we begin to do is rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Listen, God may have brought you into that valley to teach you something about His power and His Word and Him declaring things over your family and over your life. Because listen to me, God is listening for the echo of the wisdom He has already given you. He's listening for the echo of the Word He has already placed by faith within your heart. But here's the most important part of that story. This is beautiful because God asked a question. And Lapita, I didn't even see you sitting there until now. Lapita, I'll ask you, can these dry bones live? Yes. The best thing that he said back, listen to me, the best thing that he said back. See, this keeps us out of presumption and it keeps us out of doubt. I don't want to end up on the side of the road that just is always doubting that God can come through for me because God's a God who comes through for his people. And I don't want to wreck on the other side of the road that says, well, I'm walking close to God, so nothing difficult or bad or, or hard is ever going to come into my life. Hogwash. There's times and seasons to life. It's how you react to those times and seasons that you're facing is what's going to make the difference in the outcome of that circumstance. And he says this, Oh, Lord, you only you know. Thou knowest, Lord. Sometimes when you're walking into something that looks like it's dead and dry and there's no hope in it, is to look back at God and say, God, you know. So here's what God said. Here's what God said. He said, you prophesy to the dry bones. There's an element to the word that God, listen to me, if you're teaching people that are maybe from completely different backgrounds from what I'm about to say, but it is the truth of God's word. It is a real genuine key to spiritual victory this morning. Genuine key. Is when you say, God, you know, and then he comes back and he says, the word that you, that's why it's so important to be in the word. When you have the word hidden in your heart, when you have the word deep in your soul, when you have the word and you're meditating on it and you're focusing on it, you have a weapon in your hand. You have the weapon of the word. And when he, you say, God, you know, and he, he says, you prophesy over the dry bones. Listen to me. 
I said it in the beginning, there's a synergy between God and man. We think God came down and wrote the entire Bible. He didn't. The, the personalities and even the cultural norms of the person was living in. And I mean, if you read the book of Mark, it's very straight and to the point. He had a personality like, I'm going to let you all know who God is. And Jesus came and he did this. And then Luke is a physician. So you see the physician side of Luke come out in the things that he wrote. God doesn't want to overpower you. God wants to partner with you. And he's listening for the echo of what he already said about the circumstance. So when you get into a circumstance and you say, God, I've done all I can do. This is the season I'm in. I'm going to weep about it and I'm going to sit before you. And then I'm going to get up and dry my, dust myself off and I'm going to get a word from heaven. The circumstance that I was in the other day, as I looked at the person, I said, that's not what God told me 20 years ago, 16 years ago. It's not what God said. Can I tell you how important it is to get what God says about it? And throughout that day, later on I got a phone call from somebody else. And they began to say the exact same thing that I had just said. And later on, that late that evening, I got a video from a young man who went off to Bible school up in Alabama. And he said, man, I just feel like I need to send you this. And it was the person who runs the school. And the first thing she said was, You need to hang on to what God said. What God said about your child. What God said about your marriage. What God said about your healing. What God said about what's going on in your life. Because that begins to form faith in your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me read you this scripture this morning about the rain and the snow comes down from heaven. When does rain and snow come down? When the circumstances, when it's time for rain and snow. And I guarantee you everybody in here has had rain and storms come into our life. But I want to point this out. It didn't happen until Ezekiel prophesied, not God. Are you listening to me? It didn't happen until. So there's a time to pray and there's a time to prophesy. There's a time to live and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to mourn. There's a time to uproot and there's a time to build. And it takes wisdom to know when and how. And when you get close to God in his word, he's going to put that word in your heart. He said, speak to this mountain. If there's a mountain in front of you today, we can speak to that mountain and see it removed. Amen. What do I mean by that? If you're depressed, prophesy joy. Come on. If you're sick in your body, and I'm dealing with something this last few days, if there's something going on in your body, listen, prophesy healing over yourself. That's just wishful thinking. No, it's not. The word of God is powerful. In the heart of a believer, in the heart of somebody, believes him above what they're looking at in their circumstances. Listen, if are you broke this morning? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. We must hear God. We must hear what he's saying to us. Some of you just don't have your spiritual antenna up. My dad drove an old 78 Cadillac. It was black and gold. And you got to be a baller to do that. I mean, he just stepped out of that thing with them big old 1970 shoes on and boots. The cool thing about his car is it's 78, 79, 80. It was early, early 80s or late 70s model cool thing about that car and it just fascinated me is it had a little button in there little button you put when you pushed up it it brought the antenna as a kid i mean that's all i did quit it you're gonna break it but i noticed something that when i was playing with it and the radio was on when i put it down there was no reception Getting into the word lifts your antenna of the spirit so that you can hear what God's saying over the circumstances. You can't control some circumstances, but you can control your reaction to it. And your reaction should be get into the word of God and find out what God said about it. And then begin to prophesy it. Isaiah 55, I read this Monday night at prayer. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, it's time for rain and snow. It's not the time set on a clock. It's that time. It's in a season, church, where there just seems to be rain. There's a season, church, when things 
seem cold. And listen, I'm prophesying over some of you right now because the rain has its purpose. It waters the seed that's already in there. And I came to tell you that the snow has a purpose too. I lived up north and grew up there my entire life. Didn't move away until I was 23 years old. And the snow even had its purpose by coming down and sitting on on frozen barren ground. There was actually nutrients that got into the top of the soil. I grew up around farm fields in southern Ohio. Everywhere you drove, there was corn and soybeans and wheat. It's a beautiful place, idyllic, really, in a little valley with, I wouldn't say mountains, but the Appalachian foothills were right there where I grew up. It's beautiful. But listen, the rain and snow came down. The rain, the snow that would even come and sit on the ground had its purpose in God's economy. And it says, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. There's situations in my life that I'm like, God, I know I've done everything I can do and it still isn't adding up. It still isn't coming through. Can I encourage your faith this morning that when God sends his word and we agree with it on earth, we can begin to see things change. We can see healing break out. We can see miracles come. We can see things happen. Let me end with this. God's word comes continually like rain to the earth. Listen, God is always speaking to his children about your circumstance. My question is, are you listening to what he says? Because that's what I found. Even if I, I begin to declare the word of God and it doesn't change, can I tell you what I look at? I say, God, change me. Come on, somebody. Prayer is just as much about God changing you as it is your circumstances. It's, this is my opinion. This is my opinion, so take it as that. But it's my opinion. God does not want us to be taken off guard by things that happen in life. You're close enough to God. God will begin to prepare you for the season you're about to walk into. And here's the beauty of it. And here's what I want you to know, especially Lupita, as you are there and dealing with things in your body. We have others, Robert, we've been praying for major things going on in their bodies. Listen to me. Not only does he prepare you for the season, he walks through the season with you. Oh, man, think about that for a second. Your God will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not angels, not demons, not sickness, not disease, not anything can separate you from the love of God that's in him. That's beautiful, isn't it? Number two, God's word has the effect of causing fruitfulness. In that scripture, it says the rain and the snow comes down and it gives seed and it gives fruitfulness. Listen, the season you're in isn't meant to destroy you. It's meant to cause you to be fruitful in faith in his word and declaring what God said about the situation. And trust me, it's, I know it's hard. God, I know it's hard. I know it's hard when you're in the middle of the fire. I know it's hard when you're in the middle of the difficulty. I know it's hard when you're praying for those kids and you're praying over your job and you're, you know, you get to the end of the month and you got more month and you got money in the bank. Come on, anybody ever been there? But it'll cause fruitfulness. Hearing God's voice and being receptive to it will cause you to be fruitful. Number three, God's word is sent specifically with a purpose that it will achieve. Listen, Ezekiel did not prophesy what others wanted to hear, prophesy fantasy or what he hoped for. He prophesied the word of God. That's why it's important to be in the word. Here's what I want to tell you. If God didn't say it, don't try it. Okay? That's why it's important to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Be the echo of God's word. Be the echo of God's word. So one of the main things here is hearing God. When I, when I came and studied and began to think about the word, I thought, man, we, we have to start with, okay, God, you have the final say with everything. And then, God, I can make the right decisions in my life. And, and I, I just want to throw a conservative estimate out there. You can avoid probably 50 or 60% of really the bad stuff just by making the right decisions. God gives us wisdom. God gives us an, a, a desire and ability to hear what he's saying. Stand with me today. If you guys would come, please. When it comes to the word and it comes to the circumstance that you run up against that you just say, God, there's nothing I can do about that. I want to encourage you today when you hear from the Holy Spirit, when you hear from him, there is something you can do about it. 
you can submit yourself to God, you can hear what he's saying, and you can begin to prophesy the word of God. Here's why. Here's why. And this is what I want you to know. I want you to know this before you walk out of this place. You have authority in Christ. You do. You say, oh, I'm just, you don't understand. Who I... Listen, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is your position. So, oh, you don't know what I thought. You don't know what I said to my wife yesterday. You don't know what happened. You don't know this big fight happened over here. You don't. Listen to me. If, 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 if we're not coming in anything else, we are coming completely dressed in the righteousness that is provided by Jesus Christ. You don't get your prayers answered because you're just such a wonderful, good person. You Listen, you can use wisdom. Some of you keep running up against the same circumstance over and over and again, and God's just like, dude, get the memo. It's not the enemy, and it's not anybody else around you. It's you. You're making the wrong decisions. You are. Here's what I want to tell you. You have authority. Church, if, if and I won't do this. I don't think I'm going to do this. If I walked out front right after service and walked out in the middle of 19 and stepped out there and put my hand up, you all know on 19 what would happen to me. I'd get run over. I would. But what if I had a sheriff's department uniform on and a badge on my chest and I stepped out into traffic with the proper dress, listen to me, the proper clothing on, and the authority invested in that sheriff's deputy by a higher authority, and you step out into traffic and you put your hand up, everybody comes to a stop. Why? Because that person has been delegated authority. In the creation, God gave authority to man. We lost it. Jesus Christ went to the cross, died, rose again, and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to my church. We are the authority of God on earth because we have the word of God, we have the wisdom of God, and we can prophesy to those dry bones. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on. You may be asking yourselves today, can these dry bones really live? Can I tell you in faith? Yes. Lord, you know. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, begin to prophesy over those things. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Prayer changes circumstances. When we run into circumstances that we can't change. Listen, I'm not talking about looking at what you see because if Ezekiel would have just looked at what he saw, it looked impossible. And church, you may have the dry bones of your marriage isn't going well. You may have the dry bones of sickness. You may have the dry bones of hurt and disappointment. You may have the dry bones of losing people and loved ones in your life. You may have the dry bones of a family member who you've been crying out and praying for. As a matter of fact, I want to prophesy over some of you. Some of you have prayed for decades for that person. Can I tell you? Begin to stir yourself up in faith again and prophesy the word of the Lord. Prophesy the word of the Lord over your, your, your body prophesied over your finances prophesied over your family and don't back down i thank god i've got a wife that doesn't back down because when i'm weak and i can't feel like it's anything's moving or changing i'm just ready to give up she'll grab me by my shirt and just shake me and say stand up man of god And remember who you are. Some of you just need to remember this morning who you are. You were birthed in the word. You were birthed in prayer. You carry the wisdom of Almighty God on and in you. And that dry bone needs to come together and begin to rise up and live in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we prophesy to dry marriages right now. We prophesy to children who are away from you. We prophesy over bodies in this place, Lord God. Brother Gene, turn around there and lay your hands on the pizza. We're praying this for you too, Robert. Let's pray for healing right now. I feel this faith stirring in this room. Lupita, somebody that was diagnosed with cancer in her body that is, is advanced. But we're believing and fasting and praying as a church. We do not look at the dry bone or the difficulty. But, Father, we stand in faith this morning. God, we bind our hearts together in unity. For those watching online, all the way to every person in this room. Father, we prophesy healing in Jesus' name. 
Lord, you said by your stripes we were healed. That is a finished product that we are calling heaven to earth for her, for Robert, for anybody in this room that's dealing with physical things in their body, Father. We prophesy health. We prophesy healing. Those who are dealing with financial difficulties, we right now in unity and and we declare, Father, right now that there is breakthrough coming for the finances of the people in this church, God. Let the breakthrough come. God, you didn't call us to struggle. You called us to abundance. You didn't call us to walk this world with our bodies defeated. But, Father, as we can do what we can do on our side, we're asking for the help of heaven. We're asking for the anointing of heaven. We're asking, God, today for that anointing that destroys the yoke, that anointing that destroys doubt. Some of you have been dealing with depression and you feel like it's going to destroy you. God, I prophesy the joy of the Lord. God, we thank you for natural things and wisdom that we can do in our bodies, the natural things we can do by renewing our mind by your word. But, God, sometimes we just need the joy of God to come and break off heaviness and break off despondency. I declare over them that they will not wear, they will wear the garment of praise, God. Take off the mourning and put on the garment of praise. The the oil of joy, God, let it flow down from heaven. Listen to me, listen to me. It is happening for some of you right now, right there where you are by the Holy Spirit. That oil of joy is flowing down. You're going to experience joy that you've never experienced because you're battle weary and you're you're tired and you feel like giving up. God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, we prophesy to that dry bone right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We prophesy to it. God, break the power of addiction in this place. I speak it because I know it's your will and your word. Break that power, God, today. Break that power, God, today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, just lift, lift your hands right there where you are, even if you're not comfortable doing it. Because when you step out of your comfort zone, I'm telling you, right on the other side of that comfort zone is where God meets us. He meets you. Thank you, Lord. 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 There's at least one person, but maybe multiple in this room today, that you have broken relationships in your life. And they were broken due to circumstances. They were broken due to choices. God said you've cried out to him, you've prayed to him that this would be reconciled, that this would be brought back together. I believe with all my heart, God is moving and God is bringing. Rick, it's a family member that you've been estranged from for, for years and years and years. And you've all but almost given up that there would be reconciliation. God, we prophesy reconciliation in Jesus' name. God, you care about every detail of our lives this morning. You care about every single place, every single place, Lord. God, for the times and the seasons that many are walking through, Lord, when, when we walk through that season, when we say, God, I've done all I can, then we sometimes just have to sit and weep in that season. God, when we, we walk into a season of rejoicing and joy, let us rejoice in joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask this question. Bow, heads bowed and eyes closed right there where you are. Is there anybody here that says... I've not given my heart and my life completely over to Christ. I've not given it over to him. I've not bowed my knee. I have not made him Lord and Savior of my life. That is is the most important thing today, that you get your life right with God. God's arms are open. His invitation is sent. He desires you to come into his kingdom so he can be your father and your God. And you can have a relationship with them. Is there anybody here that we can pray together with and just say, I want to want to get my life right with God? Praise God. We're all believers in here. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 I want to tell you something before you leave. There's power in the word of God. There's power in his word. Because all of heaven and God himself, he said, his word will not return void. 
But he's looking for that echo of his word in faith in your life. If you've spoken over the situation that, well, I guess it's just going to happen that way. And, and, and remember what I said. I'm not telling you to operate in presumption. That's a danger. Hear what God is saying about it, what God said. And he will tell you. And he will even anoint you in those times when we even don't know what to pray. God will fill your mouth, and, but you've got to pray it out. We're going to talk about that next week, the persistence of prayer. Some things don't move right away, but can I tell you, as we continue to ask, seek, and knock, we will see the door opened. Amen? Let me bless you today. Lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, I bless the people of CCC. God, I pray that they would be blessed here coming in and also blessed going out. May you turn your face to them and may you, Father, your countenance rise upon them and may you give them peace and may you give them rest and may you give this congregation protection from the evil one because yours is the the glory and the power forever and ever. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in each life and each family. Father, bless the people today as they go until you bring us back at the appointed time. And, Father, we're careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord. Be blessed. Prayer tomorrow night if you want to come at 630. Wednesday night we're going to start a study on Philippians, probably the most joyful book in the Bible.